Lord, just be with us in this small study tonight. Lord, just help us to dwell on your word and dwell on what you have already spoken before and help that which you have spoken to speak louder than any words that I could speak. And may those who hear this have their hearts open to what you have shown me. And I pray that nothing of what I think personally or anything that uh, is of me would get through, but instead they would be all your word and all of your spirit, Lord. Let it be nothing of me and let me just be your mouthpiece, that someone may be blessed and upbuilt by this. In your name I pray, amen. Well, guys, it's nice to be back again at Hallway Theology, and I apologize for the very long break. A lot has been going on lately. Uh, I got engaged, and I'm going to be married actually very soon, here in about a month, uh, to my lovely fiance Reese. Um, but I felt kind of a tugging on my heart uh, recently to come back to the podcast and to get back into this and to be faithful again to kind of this ministry is what it is. And even though it may not be large and even though it may just be something that I do on the side just for fun and just to enjoy teaching and enjoy talking about God's word, I feel a very real tug to build the body with something that's kind of been stirring in my heart for the past week. Uh, and so the very, the very name of this particular episode is called Soldier On. And the reason why it's titled that is because I read in the I was reading in the Bible recently, uh, I believe it was in Second Peter, uh, the verse actually specifically Second Peter, uh, verse one, uh, chapter one, verse three through eleven, um, and in that it's talking about the qualities that we are given through the Spirit by growing in Him and growing in the uh, the election and the calling in which that God has called us to. And talking about, in uh, specifically in verse 6, it talks about uh, having self-control and steadfastness and steadfastness, uh, steadfastness in our godliness. But that all comes from God. And that made me think about what does God really mean when he's telling us to be steadfast? What do the apostles mean and what does Peter mean specifically in this when he's talking about being steadfast? What does the Bible mean when it's talking about these things? So I looked it up on my own using various different sources like a blue letter Bible, Bible gateway to find out what does it really mean to be long suffering for one, because that is also part of the qualities that come with godliness and coming with being a Jesus follower. And what does it also mean to be steadfast in the Bible? What is God talking about and what is he calling us to be when he mentions these qualities? Well, I looked it up and these two words can kind of almost be substituted for one another depending on the situation not always but typically and specifically with the word steadfast exactly it's in my translations that i've been using which is the esv it's been used over 200 times throughout the entire bible the word steadfast and usually what it is referring to is someone who uh, uh someone who loves someone like god's steadfast love for us that lasts from generation to generation or about the faith of someone like abraham's uh love and faith towards his servants or towards his son um but what it's usually referring to specifically is that however interestingly in the new testament it's actually referred to in a different light entirely um while it does it does still touch on the aspects of love it digs deeper in the faith and what it means to have 
steadfast and long-suffering faith. Um, very specifically in uh, verses like Colossians uh, 1.23 and Ephesians 3.17, it talks a lot about being rooted and planted firmly in the faith. It doesn't necessarily talk all about God's love or all about how he loves us. It talks about how we're supposed to be really planted in the word of God in our faith to the point that it's unshakable. Not so much in a sense that it is about us in the way of it being uh, something different uh, that we haven't heard before, but rather in a very same thing that even Jesus talked about being is being planted in the word just as he is the vine and we are the branches. Uh, like he talks, that's a John 15, 5, specifically where he talks about that parable. <laughs> so then I started thinking, so then why does it matter so much? And why is it emphasized so much more in the New Testament about being planted in the Word and about being steadfast? You know, why does it matter when we read these things, even in the Old Testament or the New? Why does it matter to read these words and to care about being steadfast or being long-suffering? Well, firstly, it tells us that God's love is unshakable, unchanging, and never failing. It says that uh, I, I believe specifically in Hebrews, it talks about how he never casts a shifting shadow. Um, and that, specifically in the Psalms, even David highlights it over and over again, that God's love is everlasting, that God's love is always pursuing him. I believe it's in Psalm 139 that he talks about how no matter where he goes, the Lord is with him. And that speaks even more as a testimony to the love that God has for us. And that gives us hope for tomorrow. And so typically in today's world, we see so many things that are completely hopeless. We see terrible politics. We see uh, social outcry, injustice, everything that is going on in this world that just really bogs us down and honestly breaks our hearts because we realize how broken this world truly is and how desperately it needs Jesus. It needs its Savior to come back and to rescue it. And we wish that someone would just come and destroy the wicked because they persecute us so, and because they destroy the innocent. But it tells us that God is long-suffering and steadfast in his love towards us and even towards those who are wicked. Not that God will not deal with the pain and the suffering of this world, but he will. But he is long-suffering and steadfast in his love and in justice. In justice to not only give the wicked the punishment that they deserve if they do not repent, but also in his love to say that they are still covered by the blood of Jesus. And that gives us hope because it lets us know that we're not completely irredeemable either. It gives us hope to say, you know what? You know, I may be a terrible person and I need that self-recognition to say, I am a terrible person and I need Jesus. That gives me hope because that lets me know that my broken past doesn't deter Jesus from coming to me and saying, I still love you. Jesus doesn't hate me for what I've done. Matter of fact, he died for me. And it says in the, the most quotable verse in the Bible, John three sixteen, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And in the very next verse, in Verse 17, it says, 
for he did not come to judge the world, but to save it. The judgment will come later because judgment always comes. Judgment is never late, and judgment is never wrong or in the darkness. It is in the light. And thus, when all of it is brought to light at the end of days, there will be justice. There will be judgment. But there is love and there is grace for those who receive it by faith. And secondly, learning about being steadfast and long-suffering throughout the Bible tells us how we should be planted in Christ, how we should model Christ. Not just in how we love, but also in how specifically how we love him. It just tells us what we should be following. It says that we're called to dwell in Christ and to abide in him. And that's Colossians 3.16 and John 15.5. Uh, 15.5 specifically talks about, again, the, being the vine and the branches and how if we abide in him, then he abides in us. And John even writes later in his epistles that those who abide in love, God abides in him. And that is so important today because we have to dwell in Christ if we truly wish to be called Jesus followers. There are too many people that per that proclaim to be Christian, but do not follow Christ. And I'm going to say that again to emphasize the point. There are too many Christians and not enough Christ followers. Because there's no love for other people. There's no dwelling within the word to be changed. They instead use God to get what they want. And we see that so much in false teachers today. And we see that so much in the doctrines of mankind today. Because, I mean, look at literally almost any false teacher you can think of off the top of your head. Think of Creflo Dollar or Stephen Furtick or... Kenneth Copeland, that's an excellent, those are all excellent examples of people who outright abuse scripture and absolutely trash God and belittle him and his absolute status as the Lord over all creation and make him diminutive because of personal gain and because they believe that they are God. They're not rooted at all. And matter of fact, in Matthew, it talks about how fools build their houses on shifting sand. They build their houses on shifting sands that are tossed around, and eventually one day will be wiped out by the ocean. But those who are wise build their houses upon the rock. Matter of fact, it says in verse 26, Do not be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And this is so important for us today because being steadfast in today's culture is something that is completely countercultural. Not just in, like I said, the culture of today where everything is hopeless and where everything kind of feels topsy-turvy, where right is wrong and wrong is right and, so, and social justice warriors versus everybody else are right or wrong. Being planted in something that you call absolute truth can be viewed as wrong. And we have to be planted in the truth of God's word or we are no better than the shifting sand. We have to be steadfast. We have to be long-suffering because of these things. We have to, otherwise the truth of the gospel is lost. And if people don't see us stand for that and they don't see us stand for the things that truly matter, 
who are the, why are they going to care about what we believe? Why are they going to care about why we care about the homeless or why we care about those who are homosexual or those who have been abused or those who are beaten down and broken? Why do we care if we don't stick to the truth of the gospel? And it is that God has specifically said that he loves mankind, but he detests mankind's sin. So in order to make them right with him, he died for their sins, and now all can come to the throne of grace by faith. But if we don't communicate that, and we trade that in for counterfeit gospels, and we whore out the grace of God, and we just absolutely drag the gospel through the dirt and the grime in order to make it something that it's not, then it's not the truth. If people do that, that's not even Christianity, and that is why Christianity has the rep it does today. That is why people look at it in such a negative light, and they say, all Christians just want money, or all Christians are so judgmental and have no love. Much like I spoke before on the podcast about how Christians are ineffective if they have no love, they also are ineffective if they have no truth. You cannot only speak love and not speak truth, because if that is the case then the gospel is also worthless. We are called to speak the truth in love. It means that I genuinely will state exactly what the word of God says on this podcast, but I will say it in a way that it is not meant to belittle those who hear it, but rather to upbuild them and to bring them closer towards God if he moves their heart that way through what I say. And that means whatever is of me that ends up being recorded is thrown out and that which of God is staying on. And therefore we must build on the rock and we must be steadfast and we must be long-suffering in our calling because all of us have been called as Christians, as Christ followers, to spread the gospel, to be faithful to exactly what Jesus taught us. And if we do that, we're just the shifting sand. We are nothing more. And adding that even more towards relationship, aside just from God, we have to be steadfast in life itself. Because the truth of the matter is, is that life is not easy. Life is hard. I will outright say it. Life sucks sometimes. Some things are difficult. I had a grandfather recently. Uh, my grandfather on my father's side uh, just had another uh, heart issue. He got a pacemaker put in recently and he has been having health issues for a very long time and there have been very many times where I have genuinely looked up to heaven and asked God what he is doing because I do not understand it and I can't reconcile it but I look back at the word of God and I realize that I live in a broken world where things happen because creation has been broken away from God because of sin all of creation has been tainted and therefore, nothing is perfect. Nothing is exactly as God intended it, at least in the beginning. Now God has made his plan to redeem creation, but that means we have to be willing to go through the process of being purified. And this is where we learn to be long-suffering. Because hardship is not meant to crush us. Matter of fact, we are told specifically throughout Scripture routinely that hardship is meant to purify and to prune us. 
not to destroy us. Jesus used it in the Gospels as an illustration of how a uh, tender of a field will prune the vines to gather the fruit so that way it will grow more because if you just leave the fruit on there it'll rot it'll do nothing but if you prune it it will grow more it will grow more and the fruit will become more bountiful it's not about the suffering it's about what comes out of it everybody talks about how they want their best life today but i've learned throughout my life and i have heard it routinely from even those who don't follow the gospel who do not follow jesus that they say you have to live like nobody else does now to live like nobody else later and that's a very common saying from athletes and from businessmen and from those who are of the upper class but the saying is true you have to live like nobody else now to live like no one else later because we have to live in such a way that we love others, that we speak the truth to others, that we evangelize, that we pray for others, that we give to God and we give to those around us because of what he has given us. And we have to absolutely commit our lives to the gospel because there will come a day where there is not another day. The church will leave and God's judgment on an unfaithful world will begin and the church will be gone and yes the lord will still move through the people who come to faith during the last days but i don't want to be one of those people i want to be someone who is faithful now i want to hear the lord say well done my good and faithful servant i don't want to be the christian who just got through the fire and just got into heaven barely as I believe scripture speaks of it as as if one snatched by the fire, like an ember snatched out of the fire. So we have to be willing to go through hardship and deal with hard people too. And love them and learn to love and trust God through hardship. By sinking ourselves into the word. By sinking into the word and by living in him, not in the world. Not as the world does, and not buying into the false gospels and the false teachers and all the dogma that is bogged down in the traditional church today. Because it will leave us nowhere. It will leave you thinking that God is somebody that he never was and never stated to be. And it's instead this amalgamation that mankind has now made him in its attempts to profit off of the gospel. To profit off of the word of God. And yes, everything is under his power, and he knows that there are some things that are going to happen that are going to hurt. But God does not allow that which comes into your life to crush you. I'm going to state this outright because there's too many people who have this concept that God is out to hurt them. God is not out to hurt you. He's not out there to kill you. He doesn't want to strike you with a lightning bolt. But God is also not a cosmic vending machine. God is also not the yes man to every question he is the lord of all the earth and of all creation and yet he loves us anyway and we have to recognize not only that authority but that power and understand that truly if he has the power to withhold all things but also to give all things that means he has the wisdom to understand that which has to come to us in order to profit us and to grow us in him he will allow 
because it will grow our relationship with him. It will grow us in our walk with Christ. And it will grow us spiritually to the point where it will spell out to others if we are faithful to the calling. So we are long-suffering and we are steadfast because we want others to see that faith. Not for our recognition, not for our self-righteousness, not for some misplaced idea that we're so good and other people just got to get on the on the bandwagon so that way they can feel good about themselves too. No, it's about life change. It's about eternities changed. It's about spending eternity with the person who created you, the being who loved you before the foundations of the earth. The one who created all things to share his glory and his love with us. That we might love him in return and glorify him in return. And so we have to be willing to go the distance. We have to be willing to run the race just as Paul had stated that he had run his race and he had kept the faith. And therefore passed on that calling to Timothy. In his letters to Timothy, he outright calls him out and he tells him, I am charging you, as like as in the wording is, as someone in the military is charging someone with an order. That we have to follow and run the race. We have to pick up our cross daily, as Jesus had said before, and walk with him. And so today, if you're hearing this and this is stirring in your heart, my prayer is not that this is an absolute rebuke to you if you feel that you have been lukewarm or that you have been lackadaisical in your following of Jesus, or even if you don't believe in Jesus at all, and you're hearing this by happenstance. My prayer is not that this would hurt you or crush you, but instead that this would rend your heart to follow God intently in whatever season of life you are in. I do not belittle your pain. I do not belittle your suffering because I understand suffering. I may not understand your situation, but I know suffering. I'm human like anybody else. And that means life is not always kind. Life oftentimes is very brutal and very harsh and not cooperative. But we don't do it alone. And that is why we're able to be long-suffering and steadfast. And why we are called to be long-suffering and steadfast is because he loves us and because what he means for our good is for those who are called according to his purpose, for those who walk with him, not so we can profit physically, not so we can profit monetarily. It's spiritual. It's gained in life. It's not about what is gained here on earth earth. If it was, we would be selling a different gospel. I would sell a different gospel if it meant that I would earn everything on earth and that there was nothing else to this other than just what we have today and tomorrow. Much like Paul wrote that then let's eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. But because we do not, because we have a very real reality where we have a God who loves us and a God who also exercises perfect judgment, we must run the race faithfully to do what he called us to do. So those of you who are listening and you are in Christ Jesus and you 
profess to follow Christ, I pray that you hear this in your heart, is stirred to follow him intently and to make him the absolute center and purpose of your life. Not just for the clout, not just for the popularity. Matter of fact, actually, Jesus said that <laughs> that it would not be easy. He, I believe it's in uh, uh, John sixteen thirty three, if I'm not mistaken, that uh, that he said, "You will have trials and tribulations in this world, but take heart, for I have overcome the world." Jesus Himself promised that the road of following Him would not be easy. Matter of fact, he said it would be very hard. He even said that wide is the gate that leads to destruction and narrow is the path of righteousness and very few follow it. But if you're one of the few today who hear it and you believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life and you're going through something and you're not sure how to reconcile it with your faith, I encourage you today. Jesus is not trying to crush you. God is not trying to crush you. He is trying to build you. Diamonds are formed by pressure. And just as that carbon is pressed down and crushed into a diamond, in the same way, we must be willing to go through the pressure of a broken and dying world and following the only solid ground that there is, and that is found in Christ Jesus. And for those of you who may be hearing this and you don't believe in Jesus, I beg and plead with you, even right now, that you would hear this and that you would understand that there is a God who loves you, but there is a God who exercises perfect judgment. And he wants to have a relationship with you. That is why he sent his son. And that all of these things that may have happened in your life and you blame God for it. He never meant it to crush you or to hurt you or to kill you. But rather, he made it all so you would come to him. So if you feel it today, I just pray and plead with you that you would run to him. That you would come to a saving faith in Christ today. So, Lord, we just come before you now, and I pray for those who may end up hearing this, whether they be Christ followers or just somebody who has never even heard of Jesus or even somebody who hates Jesus, that they would hear this and respond. Whatever that response is, Lord, is in your hands. That is with them. That is their choice. But for those of us in Christ, Lord, help us to be upbuilt by the fact that you grow us by tribulation, that you grow us through difficult situations. And because these things are hard, we must be steadfast and we must be faithful and we must be long-suffering. So help us to confirm our calling as you wrote through your servant Peter to adhere to our calling, to be steadfast to it and to grow in those qualities that you instill in the spirit, in the gifts, in the Everything that you have given us to follow and to love you and to love others, help us to do that, Lord. Help us to not be complacent in a complacent world. Help us not to be lackadaisical in a lackadaisical world. Help us to love in truth and to believe in the truth and to stand 
firmly in it. Lord, I just give all these things over to you tonight. May that which is of me be burnt away and let that which is of you ring true and be spoken here tonight. And it's in your name.